I did some rough back of the napkin math and I figured out that if you listen to every episode and all the chapters I read, you and I have spent about 15 to 17 hours together. And that is a lot of time. And yet here I am again, the book having been completed. I read my final thoughts last week and for some reason I'm here again. Am I a sucker for punishment? Nope. I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to take the entirety of my book and distill it into 15 minutes. Think I can do it? I don't know either. Let's find out when we get right back. Hey everybody, James Ellis. Welcome to the Talent Cast. It is the last episode of season two. The entire season has been sponsored by recruitmentmarketing.com, but this episode is a little different. This episode is not me reading the book. This episode is me trying to retell this book in a Cliff Notes kind of fashion. How do I distill the entirety of the almost 300 pages, I don't even know how many pages it is actually, almost 17 hours of me talking into something you can get out in 15 minutes. This is the episode that if you want to share an episode and talk about what employer branding is and how it's different and how it's useful and how to dive into it, this is the episode I want you to share. It's designed for exactly that. The question is, can I do it in 15 minutes? Well, we're going to find out in a second. Before we jump into that, I want to make a quick announcement. I've decided to really embrace my mission of creating a million employer brand thinkers, and by the way, thank you for being one of them, and start my own company. I'm going off on my own and I'm going to try and help anybody, any recruiter, any HR practitioner, business partner, anybody in TA, anybody in marketing who wants to get better at employer branding, get better at employer branding. Go to Employer Brand Labs or EmployerBrandLabs.com and take a look at what we're doing. I've got a video on demand class that I think by the time you hear this should be ready for anybody. That is, it's a class all designed to help a recruiter use employer brand. Right? You're there and you want to help your recruiters get better, but it's not always clear to them how you help them. So this is a class that any recruiter can take very quickly and say, I get how to use and leverage employer brand to be better at what I do. There's more classes coming. There's cohort classes to help you develop your own EVP. The thing that I think makes what I'm doing so exciting for me is that I'm focusing on smaller businesses. I'm focusing on businesses between 250 and 750 people. Not small business like four different people or mom and pop sort of situation, but businesses that are maybe in startup mode, maybe in a growing mode, whatever it is, they're too small to justify buying or hiring a full-time employer brander, but they still need employer brand help. So that's what I'm trying to do is serve that audience. So hopefully you can get a chance to take a look at it. If you don't, I totally understand. Hopefully this whole book and audio book has been useful. So thanks everybody for listening and let's set the clock for 15 minutes and see how things go. Are you ready? Here we go. So we start off with this idea that the context around talent acquisition has changed not just in the last five years but in the last 40, 50 years. It used to be that having a job was all the bait you needed to get someone to apply. You could post a tiny little job notice in a newspaper. You could hang a shingle outside your business that said help wanted. People would show up. That shifted as talent became more specialized, that required more training, as it required more education, as people moved around, they moved towards the suburbs, they moved away from cities, a lot of shifts around in a macro trend kind of situation. And it shifted to put the responsibility of hiring in the recruiter's hands. 
So it wasn't just because they had a job, they had a bait and people showed up. Now it was a situation where they had a job and that gave them the power, but it wasn't enough power to attract talent by itself. So they leaned on recruiters to say, go find me some talent. Now they could find that talent sometimes in the ATS of people who have applied. Sometimes they found that talent on LinkedIn or at an event or just building their network. They went and hunted the talent they needed. Well, what happens is, is is about to happen here, is roughly the same as what happened to human beings thousands of years ago. We were living on the ebbs and flows in the feast or famine model of hunting. That some days you had more food than you knew what to do with, some days you had less food than you needed. And it was hard to kind of live. It was a feast or famine kind of model. The same model applies to talent. Some days you had more applicants and more talented applicants than you needed. You only need the one person to fill a role. Having two doesn't actually help you. Having too much food, in this case, without refrigeration or a way to store it, doesn't help you. It just creates rot. So what happened was, is we said the hunting is useful, but it would be useful if we also had the secondary model of consistent, predictable food creation called farming. Now, farming has its own problems. You have to plant the seeds before you're actually ready to eat. There's a long timeline. There's a whole lot of lead time that comes between the moment you plant the food, the, the seed and the moment you can turn it into food. Talent's the same way. If you want to attract a lot of people who are the best at what they do, posting a job on LinkedIn or a job board isn't going to get it done. Why? Because that's not where they live. They do not look for jobs. Jobs find them. So what you have to do is to get on their radar before they look for a job. You have to plant the seed before you're hungry. That takes time. Now, when you're planting a seed, you can't just say, we're a great place to work. That, do that doesn't work. Can we just admit that? Can we just for a second admit that that is an incomplete sentence at best? When you're looking to talk to talent, the thing they want from you is a why. Why should I talk to you? Why should I consider this company? Why should I consider working at this company? Why this role? Why now? There's a lot of whys behind what they're choosing to do. Now, for the longest time, recruiters didn't have to give much why. They were hunters. They just grabbed you and dragged you because they had the job and they had the power. As that has shifted, the power of the why has expanded. Now, this, this why isn't arbitrary. It is the connection between what your company is all about, what it rewards, its policies, its culture, what it offers, what the work is like, all of that stuff. The company's mission, the company's value, all of it. How does it tie to the individual? And specifically, how does it tie to the human's motivation, their desire for status, their desire for consistency, their desire for opportunity? What is the thing that they care about that you offer? And that why is a very thin but very obvious connection between the two ideas. It connects what you as a company care about and what they as a candidate and as a human being care about. It's a connector. That's the why. And that is the core, the beating heart of what employer brand is all about. It's not about going and grabbing talent. It's about seeding that why in front of the right audiences so that when the recruiter is ready, the candidates primed. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. 
I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. So the brand, this idea of the why, comes from every aspect of the business. You can't just say it's just recruiting. You can't say it's just marketing because it's not. It is every level of the company. Every time a CEO or a COO does something great or does something bad, it impacts people's perception of the brand. It impacts what people think that business is all about. When the company offers really a bad customer service, that doesn't just impact the consumer and their desire to buy the product again. It impacts them as a candidate because they suddenly think, wait, if I work there, am I now associated with this horrible customer service? And do I want that? Maybe I don't. The brand is something that happens at every level. Every choice the company makes impacts that brand. What's also interesting is a candidate absorbs that sense of the brand over a long journey. Now, there are three major stages of that journey. Before they're looking for a job, as they're looking for a job, and as they're interviewing for the job. What happens is the farther along that journey they get, the more focused they get at absorbing information. So if they're not actively looking and you're putting out little pieces of information, they may or may not be paying attention. Maybe it's only subconscious what they're absorbing. Maybe they have a sense that they like or don't like that brand, but they can't always put a finger on why. But as they decide to consider this brand, they become much more focused. They're much more likely to research you and read about you and ask questions. And as they get to the interview stage, they're literally standing in your company, looking around, doing a full 360, asking themselves, can I picture myself in this company? If they can, you've got a really good shot at them saying yes to the offer. If they can't, you don't. Now, you can intentionally influence this perception of what it's like to work there by planning what story via what channel connects to that candidate at every stage of the journey. The funnel on the journey is not some sort of arbitrary concept. It tells you what the candidate cares about, what they're looking at, how much they're absorbing at any given stage, and you plan your content storytelling narrative strategy accordingly. The story they need at the top of the the funnel in the journey is something interesting, something that sparks their attention, something eye-catching or mind-catching, something that grabs them because why should they care? They've got plenty of stuff to do. How are you more interesting than a photo on Instagram of their friend's baby or a cat? That is the level of the bar which you're focusing. They're not going to read your white paper. They're not going to watch your 10-minute video unless it's produced professionally, unless it's really interesting. Farther down the funnel, they're more focused and more willing to invest some time in that information. That means not only does the kind of information or the the, the scope of information change, but the kind of information changes. Telling somebody that you offer great PTO before they're a candidate isn't useful. Telling them in the interview stage or right before, very useful. The stories you tell aren't just, we don't care about stories because there's some sort of business trend, which they seem to be. It's because the stories that we tell allow a candidate to look at you and say, I see myself in this space. It creates the space to allow a candidate to project themselves in that. That's what makes them decide to say yes or makes them say no. Now, a brand, 
when you distill it is two levels. First, it's the you know the the the, the Jeff Bezos a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, and that's a valid way of approaching it. But another way of thinking about a brand, especially for us, most valuable for us, is that it focuses thinking and action. You have a million stories you could tell. You have a million pieces of information you could share. There are hundreds of positive things you could tell of candidates, but they don't, aren't willing to invest that time with you. So what do you tell them? Well, you tell them the thing that one, they care about, two, is true, and three, is differentiating, is unique about you. Why? Well, if you tell them something and they don't care about it, that, that's pretty self-explanatory, self right? If you tell them something and they say, oh, that's interesting, and they Google it, and they find that it's not true, you're a liar, and you're done. If you tell them something and it's a story that they can hear about any company anywhere, why would they apply for you? Why not apply for any company anywhere? So any good brand has to kind of live in those three spaces. They're the intersection of, is it true? Is it connecting to that person? Is it motivated? Is it connected to what they care about? And is it unique? When you distill that idea, call an EVP, call it a brand position, I don't care. Everything you do is now filtered through that and it turns all the light in your room into a laser. It focuses all the stories, all the, the collateral, all the information, the stories about your policies, your testimonials, your quotes, your videos, your glass door reviews, positive and negatives, your job postings, your career site, all of it. It focuses all of that through a couple of simple ideas that are, again, what they should care about, are true, and are unique. And when you do that, you create a self-validating space. As you tell these stories and they go looking to see if those stories are true, they find that they're true because that's what you've been building the stories about. You've spent the last six months making videos and making testimonial quotes and making job postings, telling a single or a couple of very core ideas. When you connect with a candidate and they start to look at it and they see that idea everywhere they turn, they say, this must be true. This is crystal clear. I get it. And at that point, they make the decision of, I want to be here or I don't want to be here. I want that thing or I don't. So that level of brand thinking means in the ecosystem we work, our job is not to control things because we can't. We cannot control the CEO. We cannot control the product selection. We cannot control customer service. However, because they impact what our world is like and because it's important that we care about that stuff, we need to influence everyone about what we do. You have no authority almost ever to tell people what to do, but you can educate them and influence them so that they understand how their choices impact not only you, but the company's ability to attract and hire talent. All of this means that you as the employer brander, on whatever level that is, need to shift your perspective, not from, they told me to do a thing, I did a thing. Not, I need them to change that, so they have to make them change. The job is to help every single employee, every single hiring manager, understand the core ideas of what this company is all about. 
to show them the proof of the work and why it works and how it works and how they have a role in supporting this. It means not getting the glory because you don't own the brand. You simply orchestrate the brand. They're the ones playing the violins and oboes. It's about shifting what you do away from task and deliverable and more into outcome using influence. That is what employer brand is day to day. And it's a function of how businesses think about talent because ultimately when you can help a business change their thinking about hiring, you're literally helping a business change their thinking about business because it does become about creating farmers, influencing others. Businesses don't succeed because they demand that customers buy a product. Businesses succeed because they create a product so attractive to the right audience that the audience is compelled to buy it. That is what you're doing. Your place is to help the business shift how it sees itself, shift how it pays attention to things, shift how it attracts its customers, its investors, and its candidates. This does not happen solely on you, but you have to admit and have to accept that part of this does fall on you. You have a part to play here. That's what employer branding is. In the big scheme of things, it's not about attracting candidates because they, under, they care about what the logo says or they like the video or it's a great, well-written job posting. You're compelling people to show up because they care about what your company cares about. They can join something where their motivations and needs are met because that's what the company is trying to do and creating focus for the entire business to grow. That in a nutshell, is employer brand. And that, in a nutshell, is Talent Chooses You. And I think I did it in 14 minutes. Wow. I didn't think I could do it. I was a little concerned. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions, if you want to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Just find me, James Ellis, uh, employer brand, obviously. Or go to Employer Brand Labs, take a look at that, and connect with, that, connect with me that way. Also, you can always subscribe to my newsletter. Yeah, I'm kind of everywhere. All I do is talk about employer brand. Yeah, but you knew that already. Thanks so much for being a part of season two of the Talent Cast. I think this has been an incredibly successful project by all accounts. Uh, the people who've asked for this are thrilled with it. The people who got a chance to be exposed to this information are absorbing and are interested or asking good questions. The Ask Me Anythings have been going well. The newsletter has been growing. I really do embrace this mission of creating a million employer brand thinkers. So if there's anybody you think who needs to become an employer brand thinker like you and me, connect us. I'd love to meet them. Thanks, everybody, and I'll see you for season three in whatever shape that turns into. Bye. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. 
Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.